Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. It's going to be on the screens behind me as well. It says this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you too say, I as well are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So I want you to get the picture this morning that not only are we building this church, but we have a role to play in this church. You have a part to play, to use your specific gift mix, your personality, who you are. And it says that we as well are being built together to become a holy temple, a dwelling in which the Spirit lives. Each and every one of us have a part to play. I also want to read Proverbs 19, 21. It says this, many are the plans of a person's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Aren't you grateful for that? It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. The title of my message today is this, A People on Purpose. A People on Purpose. Turn to the person next to you and say, A People on Purpose. Let's pray. Lord, right now we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would open our hearts and open our ears to receive it. I know I won't preach a message that blows minds, but I pray that it touches hearts today. I pray that your will will be done in this house. Anoint my words to speak and ears to hear, and let this be a day that is transformational for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. I always have this water up here, and I never drink it, so... I did that for the team today. You're welcome, team. I really believe in the power of church. I really do. I believe in the beautiful side of how it helps to create a purpose in people's lives. It gives people an alignment. gives people meaning. My whole life, I have been in the church. It's just a part. I remember growing up and being brought over to our church. Our, we actually lived across the street from our church. And so we would go there pretty much every single day. That's where I learned to ride my bike was in the parking lot of our church. My parents were pastors. And so I grew up going to every single thing that the church held. My dad was a worship pastor. So he would lead worship. My mom would sit behind the piano. And I'd go over there every single week and sit beside her and dig into her purse and just shove my face full of her gum. And every Sunday, she had no more gum at the end of church. But I just remember, I was a church rat. My whole life, I have been in the house of God and had such a great passion for it. I was eight years old. When I remember first serving in church, I got behind the drum kit. And I sat there. I was too short 
to be able to kick the kick drum and hit the cymbal at the same time. So you can imagine this little kid back there just basically stand playing the drums in church. In that time of being in church, I, I learned community. I learned what it meant to lay down your life for the church. I learned how to do some drum breaks. We need more drum breaks in church. You know what I'm saying, Bobby? Where you at? We need more drum breaks in church. But I fell in love with the house of God, and my whole life has looked like church, every single bit of it. I was a pastor's kid. I was a church rat. I moved to volunteering in church. My first job in church was a janitor. I went to Bible college and did two years of volunteering at Bible college and and being there and learning and as well then got hired on full time to be a facilities guy fixing and repairing things. Went from that to being a volunteer youth pastor to being a full-time paid youth pastor to then moving and being a creative pastor at a church to then me and Brianna stepping into being campus pastors at a church to moving from that place in a, in a transition season and being an executive creative at a church while we were getting ready to plant. From being an executive creative, then moving to being a church planter the last year, hello, and then right here to be a lead pastor. My whole life, from the moment I've been born, has been intertwined with church. And can I tell you that throughout all of that, there have been great moments of victory And there have been great moments of hurt. There have been bad moments. There have been good moments. There have been people that have wronged me. And there have been people that have have gone right with me. Through all of that, I have not lost hope in this great plan of Jesus Christ. This is the plan. This is his body. The great church of Jesus Christ. And this is what we're alive for. Amen. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart. See, it's built into our nature from creation that we would be desiring to have a purpose. It's built into our nature. Even God, when he created Adam and Eve, he says this in verse 26. He says, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over all creatures. See, from the beginning... God made it obvious that he's creating these people so that they would have a purpose. And although the the main purpose might not have been ministry like it looks like for us today, he still gave them this great purpose. I need this kind of anointing in my household right now because Brianna convinced us to get a dog. And we have this little puppy in our house right now. And I remember asking her, I'm like, so when does the puppy stage end? Like month two, month three? She's like, no, like year two. So... I need that Adam anointing ruling over every living creature. You know what I'm saying? Submit. Genesis goes on to say, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So from the outset of our creation, we're searching for our great purpose in this life. We're all on this journey trying to discover purpose, the meaning of life, why we are alive. And so often... Our surrounding impacts our assignment. So often our surrounding can change our why in a moment. You know, I never thought I would be an exterminator. That just was never a thing that I would want to do, but I moved to Florida, and now I'm an exterminator at my house. You know what I'm saying? Bugs everywhere, spraying every day. 
<clears throat> this last week I was out in the garage. I was taking some trash out there and I lifted up the trash can and as I go to put this bag in, all of a sudden some, something moved up on top of my ladder and starts running down and this giant rat, I'm not kidding, huge rat with a big old tail. I just, I started shouting to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, let the rapture happen now. This is the moment. Beat me up. Beat me up to heaven right now. I'm losing my mind. I go open my garage door, hoping that it runs out. You know, I'm doing anything that I can. I run around the garage. I actually had some mouse traps from our last house. So I ran and I threw those out, little tiny mouse traps. Went straight to the hardware store, got myself a bunch of rat traps. I now have 30 traps scattered around my garage looking for this thing. I spent the next couple days with this like foam sealer, getting every single crack I could find in my house. No rats in the Damari household, you know what I'm saying? I'm an exterminator because of my surrounding, because of where I am. I know how to change maybe what I was thinking I would have done with my day and I spent the rest of the day looking for a rat, but... You know, I think so often, as funny as that is, depending on what's happening around you or who you've grown up with or your friends or your family or your past history, it dictates what you do with your life. Moses, before called, became a shepherd for 40 years. James and John were fishermen because of their parents. Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus was a carpenter right after his father. All these people would have found purpose in their surroundings. Do you agree with me, church? And I realized that more and more, your surrounding has this great impact on your purpose. So as we read in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, I'm blown away by who God uses. Because I look at Paul, and I see the mouthpiece that God uses to start the early church with. And I remember looking back at his life and going, wait a second. Didn't he try to kill Christians? Didn't he try to persecute the early church? And I think today, if I can help us to learn to be a people on purpose, I want to bring us back to that intersection where God first called Paul. So I'm going to read this scripture, Acts 9, 1 through 9. It says this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So, if they found anyone who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They had heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. And for three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So picture with me this guy named Saul. His parents were of Jewish descent and possessed Roman citizenship. So this Jewish Roman citizen was already culturally privileged because of his citizenship title. And we see how his journey takes him down the wrong road. He's first mentioned in Acts 7, standing in approval of the stoning of Stephen. 
So you can see that he would have surrounded himself with the wrong kind of people and locked into this crowd of knowing, I, this is my purpose now. I need to destroy Christianity. He was extremely corrupt. See, when you discover your purpose in the wrong place, you discover your wrong purpose. When you discover your purpose in the wrong place, you discover your wrong purpose. And we can understand is Saul is fully convinced that he's found his purpose on this earth. And that is to eradicate the followers of Jesus. He's so convinced of this that he's ready to imprison Christians, which leads to their death. He wouldn't ask the high priest for a letter simply to be able to get a backing to send them to prison. And it blows my mind to what end people will go when they think they're on, on purpose, that they will actually bring things to completion, like persecution or even execution. But you know what I found through conversations and even through this scripture? And it seems that so many discover their purpose on accident. Not on purpose. They discover their purpose through relationships, through surroundings. And Kids are so wild. I don't know if you realize that, but with our four kids, uh, if you just ever think of the Demarius, just pray for us. Just send a prayer up to heaven for us. But we're on this journey of parenting, and it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, we really get to shape these kids' ideals. We really get to help, uh, you know, build a great culture in our house, help them to have a love for Jesus, a love for his house, a love for wor his word, a love for prayer, and a love for worship. These are the things, the great responsibility that Brianna and I get to carry in. Let me just talk to the parents in here. This is your responsibility. It's not your responsibility to let some other voice speak life into that, that child. It is your job to speak the Bible and God's word and his truths over their life. And I tell you what, we need to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Easier said than done sometimes. But I think, though, what we often do is we allow people just to figure out their own way and their own purpose on accident. The other day, Emerson was fighting with Evelyn on the couch and He's throwing a pillow at her, and I'm like, yeah, get her, you know, and then, uh, <laughs> but he hits her, and she falls onto the ground, and I was looking away at this time, and I heard the, the terrible scream, and I run over to her, and I grab her, and I look at Emerson frustrated, like, what happened? What did you do? And he goes, I, I, I did it on purpose. <laughs> I was like, you did this on purpose. <laughs> and I said, you, you did it on purpose, and he goes, I, yeah, I, I didn't mean to. And I go, oh, you mean you did it on accident. But, you know, I, when he said that, it triggered something in my mind and how easy it is to just mix those two up. Because of all the voices in our lives, because of the environments we grow up in, because of our family history, because of our lifestyle choices and the lifestyles of our friends, because of the colleges we go to, because of the news we watch, liberal, conservative, far in between, whatever it is, because of your social media, all of these things give you this purpose, maybe. And it's easy to simply lean into the loudest voice in the mix. And we can lock in to that worldly purpose. And if you're not intentionally pursuing your proper purpose, your godly purpose, you will fall in line with the loudest voice and start confusing your God-given purpose with your worldly purpose. If you're not in the right place, if you're not around the right people, you'll discover the wrong purpose. Let me say it again. If you're not in the right place, if you're not around the right people, you'll discover the wrong purpose. Let me say it like this. 
You are a byproduct of your surrounding. You are a byproduct of your surrounding. What are you surrounding yourself with? Let me say it like this. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who are you spending time with? That's what your future is going to look like. You're a byproduct of your surrounding. You know, the more time I spend with my second son, Cove, I love to bring him in and help me with projects at the church. We'll come bring stuff in midweek or get some stuff set up. He'll come sit at a coffee shop with me as I'm doing some sermon prep and all that. And I love these moments. And if you ask Cove, Cove, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? He'll say, I want to be a pastor. And I'm like, you just come with me everywhere. You know what I mean? You just come with, you hold my hand, I'll show you how I do everything, and you could be a pastor. But in the mix of pastoring and planting the church over the last year, there have been many times where we've had to stop off and grab some fast food. Okay, I'm admitting, I'm admitting our wrong, fast food. But uh, the main place that we love to go to as a family is Chick-fil-A, right? All their fast food is garbage compared to Chick-fil-A, amen? If you work at another place, I'm sorry, uh, it's fine. But we've gone to Chick-fil-A so many times over the last year. It was this last week I asked Cove again and thinking of this message. Cove, what do you want to be when you grow up? He goes, I want to work at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, technically feeding the 5,000 is a ministry. So, but dear Lord, Chick-fil-A, thank you, Jesus. But it's so true that whatever we surround ourselves with, whatever we're around, whatever we're used to, whatever we're inspired by, gives us our purpose and I want to lean into us today and help us understand that only God can give us our purpose only the creator can do that so let's jump back into our scripture real quickly in in Acts 9 4 through 6 it says this Saul Saul why do you persecute me who are you Lord Saul asks I am Jesus whom you are persecuting now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do See, here we see a powerful moment in Saul's conversion journey. It's when Jesus revealed himself to Saul. When Jesus became real to Saul. It has to start here. On your pursuit of purpose in discovering your God-given assignment for life, it has to start here. God has to be real to you. And you have to get the voice of God in your ear. He's calling you from your past and leading you onward. And let me say this. God's voice triumphs other voices every time. God's voice triumphs it every time. So God's voice is calling out to a man who is seemingly the worst person that he could ask to do this job. His job is to kill Christians, to persecute them. His friend group, coworkers are encouraging it. Yet God sees what this man could do and who he will become. And he calls him. See, not everyone will experience this moment of getting knocked to the ground with flashes of light, with a loud voice giving you direction. Not all of us will experience that. But just because you've been locked into your own plan doesn't mean that God can't stop you in your tracks and align you with his plans. Just because you've been locked into your own idea of what your life is supposed to be, the job you're supposed to have, the the lifestyle it's supposed to look like doesn't mean that God can't stop you in your tracks, speak life over you, and give you a new future. So this is Saul's transition moment. And then I want to read the next section of this scripture to give us a little bit more of this story. Acts 9, 10 through 19. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Everybody say Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. 
The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. This is really key right here. I want you to see this. Ask for a man named Saul, for he is praying. See, Saul got the voice of God in his ear, yet didn't have his assignment yet. Somebody needs to hear this today. He had the voice of God in his ear saying, come be my child, come follow me. Yet he didn't have his assignment yet. So what did he do in the in-between? He prayed. He prayed. He asked the Lord, what, what's happening with me? I know now you're real. I've gotten a glimpse of the fact that you are real. I've heard your voice clearly. You have called me. What is next, God? If you're in an in-between season, church, you need, me to, you need to hear me say today that you should be on your knees praying. It says that he even fasted. If you're believing God for answers for things, you should be praying and fasting, waiting for God to reveal himself. Verse 12. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord says to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and all the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord. Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, you got to hear this, church. Lean in. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength, and Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. See, hear me say this today, church. There is only one purpose for your life. It's the purpose that God gives you, the purpose that God calls you to, and it's intertwined with the church that we build. It has to be. It's his plan. See, Jesus will save your soul, and he will use his church to save your life. Let me say it again. Maybe it'll lock in a little more. Jesus saves your soul, and he will use his church to save your life. There's power in the church in what it can do. See, when Jesus came into the picture, he revealed himself to Saul. Yet Jesus chose to use Ananias to tell him his assignment. Jesus didn't tell him his assignment. It was Ananias, the church. He used the church to save his life. He was in the in-between waiting. What am I supposed to do, God? You're alive. I know you're real. What are you going to do? And it, he needed for the church to come. Don't underestimate the power of this house. Don't underestimate the power of your call and your assignment because your voice could be the mouthpiece that changes generations. Your voice could be the mouthpiece of the majority of the New Testament because of your ability to listen to the Lord and be the church in someone's life. God uses people. He used Ananias to pray and baptize him. Ananias to show him the way to the disciples for training. So your proximity to the house gives you perspective for your purpose. 
Your proximity to the house gives you perspective for your purpose. What does that mean? When you get around what is the plan of Jesus Christ, when you surround yourself with people who are on assignment and on purpose, you now get perspective for what everything in your life is supposed to be about. So whether you're Ananias in the story or Saul, your nearness to his plan gives you perspective for your purpose. Your nearness to his house, which is the gathering of believers. See, your job is no longer just to pay your bills, but to further the gospel. Your friendships are no longer just for emotional support and a good time, but for a partnership in Christ and in furthering the gospel. Your marriage is no longer to fill a void of relationship in your life or do what's right culturally. It's to help you learn what true love means and how to help others to achieve that kind of sacrificial love. Your hobbies are no longer a passing of time, but for an understanding that every gift has been given from above and can be used for furthering the gospel. It's all attached to this great purpose of the church that we build. And let me say this to you today. You are an instrument for furthering the gospel. You, every single one of you, are an instrument. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Doesn't matter what you're living in now. You are an instrument for furthering the gospel. And God will use every testimony. He'll use every detour for furthering the gospel. In Matthew 7, 21, it says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We have to align our lives with his great plan and his great church, and we will enter the gates of heaven with him. When we align our lives with the church, we lock into the will of the Father. And hear me say this, church, Christianity is not a badge. Christianity is not a life insurance policy. Christianity is a relationship with the living God and a God that gives you purpose for your life and for your eternity. And I pray that if this is your flashing light, loud voice moment, that you'll hear me say this, no matter where you are, whether you've been a believer for 40 years or you've been a believer for a week, hear me say this today. That you are called to further the gospel and the church we build is the plan. We are a people on purpose. We are a people that understand our assignment and understand our purpose. I'm going to invite the band up. See, Jesus said one last thing through Ananias to Saul, which I think is very important for us to understand. In Acts 9, 16, he says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Imagine being Ananias going to Saul and going, hey, man, you're meant to be a mouthpiece for the gospel. You know, God chose you. I'm sure his faith started to boost, like God's coming alive and he's understanding you. And he's going to show you how much you must, you must suffer for his name. Right? I mean, just what a wild line that Jesus said. But really, this is what happened with Paul's life. Emotionally, physically, mentally, he suffered for Jesus. Saul, who later changed his name to Paul, faced many trials that we read about in this book. People didn't believe his conversion story. He was rejected. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was imprisoned multiple times. 
He was deserted by his close friends. He was broke. There were plots to kill him. He was persecuted and he was shipwrecked. See, this isn't an easy road. It's not like we're walking out on golden streets and everything falls in line for us. Jesus' last thing he says in the calling of Paul is I will show you how much you must suffer for my name. It's a laying down of our lives. It's an understanding that we are going to go through hardships. We're going to go through hard times. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be worth it. And one of the last things that Paul ever wrote before he died was 2 Timothy verse 4. And I want to read this to you. He's writing this letter to Timothy to encourage him in the faith and remind him of his calling. After everything that I just wrote, everything I just said had been done to Paul, this, these are the things that he said. Preach the word. I think this is a really holy moment for your life. I'm going to read the rest of the scripture because I think it's really important that you hear it. I can just sense the presence of God needing to say this to somebody today. That you've gone through some really hard things. Maybe you were rejected. Maybe you were deserted by close friends. You were broke, persecuted, shipwrecked, whatever it is. But your response after all of those things, I pray from right here till now would that you would remember that you are meant to preach the word. You're meant to preach the word. It says, be prepared in and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to the myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all your duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. Hear this. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He fought. He suffered. He went through hardship, and yet the statement at the end of his life is, I have kept the faith. I've remained on purpose, and he continues to say, preach the word. Be prepared. So we started today with Proverbs 19, 21. It said, many are the plans of a person's heart. And isn't that the truth? Many are the plans. We go through this life looking for our purpose. We go through this life looking for our assignment, what we're meant to do. But it says this in Proverbs, but the Lord's purpose, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's the Lord's purpose for your life that prevails. Can we lean into that today? Can we understand that we are a people on purpose? 
whether you've been following Jesus your whole life like me, or today maybe is your conversion story, you can live a life on purpose. And everything you do can be for furthering the gospel. Let's stand to our feet. Close our eyes across this room. The church we build is a people on purpose. I want to give a call to two groups of people today. First of all, you walked in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you've given your life to Jesus and you've had a season of wandering and drifting. And today, I want to give an opportunity for you to get your life straight and on the right path with the Lord. So I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, you've heard me talk about faith. And maybe this is just a moment you need to step out in faith and make a statement for your life of saying, no, I'm, I'm putting my foot down. Today is going to be the day that I say, I'm going to give my whole life to Jesus. I'm going to lean in to Jesus. Maybe I don't have all the answers today, but I'm going to take a step of faith. So if that's you, one, know that God loves you. He sent his one and only son so that you can know life in this life and life abundantly. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. So don't wait any longer. Right now is your moment. If you want to give your life to Jesus or return to his ways, three, raise your hand right now. Come on across this room. Go ahead and raise your hand up. Thank you, Lord. Come on, could we celebrate those who raise their hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer in just a second. Before we do, I want to give a call to everyone in this room. Maybe your life has looked like on purpose from day one. Or maybe today is the turnaround moment. Maybe you've kind of been on track, but not everything in your life is being a person on purpose. Can I tell you that your whole life should point to one thing, and that's Jesus and Jesus alone. Your whole life. Your family, your relationships, your friendships, your job, your social media, your college experience, your family history, all the things. Your testimony should point to Jesus. So would everybody just raise their hands as an act of surrender? And I want to pray a prayer over every single person in this place together. God, I pray at the end of the day, when we stand and get to write the final statement for our lives, that our first statement would be, go preach the word to every nation. Lord, I pray that when we stand at the end of our lives, that we would be able to say that we have fought the good fight and we have kept the faith and we have proclaimed the gospel through every circumstance, through every single trial we come up against. Lord, let it be for your name and for your glory. Let our lives, let our families, let our relationships, let our jobs, let our school all bring you glory and bring you fame. The church we build will be a building and a believers that are living lives on purpose. So we walk in that assignment and we sing this song to you as an act of surrender and an act of worship. And we thank you for what you've done. Come on, let's lean in today and let's worship one last time together. Believe in God. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.